0: Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Episode 4 for Season 2. Today is Thursday, February the 15th. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based here in Nashville, Tennessee. Our sponsor for This Week in Voice, as well as the presenting sponsor for the Voice First Roundtable, is Voice XP, Blazing the Trail in Voice Technology. Voice XP creates custom Alexa skills and Google Home Actions. They're based out of St. Louis, Missouri. They just joined a very prominent accelerator that's based in St. Louis, Missouri. And they've done a great job of cultivating voice-first technology across the Midwest and across the country. If you're looking for someone to develop an Alexa skill for your, you or your company or a Google Home Action for you or your company, Go to voicexp.com, go look up Bob Stolzberg, Mark Tucker, the rest of the team. They will help you greatly. You'll be glad that you did. We are very pleased today to have a fantastic panel. Our first guest is Anoop Gosavi. Anoop, how are you? I'm good, Bradley. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Anoop. So, Anoop is founder of Spext. Anoop, tell us what Spext is.
1: Yeah, so Spext is uh, kind of like, think of it as Photoshop for voice. It is a platform where you can edit, search, and repurpose your voice audio. And the idea here is to make uh, interacting with voice easy for everyone.
0: Very cool. And that's S-P-E-X-T. And what's the website for that? SPEXT.co dot C-O. Perfect. And we've got a link to that in the... Uh, news stories for the week, as well as we'll include that in the show notes. Anoop, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Our other guest today is William Nutt. William, say hello.
2: Hello. Thank you, Bradley. Happy to be here.
0: Happy to have you, William. So, William, you are founder and chief strategist of Nutt, which is your company, and you are also the creator of Alexa.bio, Let's take a second and explain both. Give us the information about both of those. Share with us uh, what both of those are.
2: Yeah, thank you. So, uh, so Nut or Nut Labs is just a little boutique digital agency uh, based in New York. We specialize in in what we call distinctive websites and sophisticated email and actionable data. That's kind of what I do by day. Um, but our our little team is comprised of some pretty avid Alexa fans. Um and uh so we we decided to pursue a little uh a little side a little side project in Alexa.bio which is basically um just uh an intuitive a robust online resource for um for Alexa users of of all uh interests and skill levels you know everybody from the uh from the enthusiasts like your audience, but also just kind of the casual user who may be dabbling um, in uh, in, uh, the Alexa territory for the first
0: time. Very cool. Very cool. And we've got links to both of those in the news stories page as well, so you can check those out. William, thank you for joining us. And with that, we will get to the news. And our first story this week is about the HomePod. So... (laughs) If you listen to this show on a regular basis, which we're fortunate uh, to have many of you that do, and and very fortunate those numbers have been growing, thank you for everyone who listens to this week in voice. Uh, We're very honored to have you aboard. Um, You know very well that I'm not a fan of the HomePod, and I'm not a fan of what Apple is doing, this modern-day version of Apple that's uh, got its priorities pretty much firmly affixed on appeasing wall street and not doing a whole lot of other stuff and dropping the ball in a lot of areas so the home pod has come out this week the washington post gave it a pretty terrible review that link is included in the stories of the week uh then it got worse with information that the home pod damages furniture that you sit it on different types of wood furniture um, with no notice from apple whatsoever they typed up a Quick uh, memo on it. um, After the news had come out, that uh, information is on Apple's website now, uh, but uh, this sort of came out of nowhere. It leaves rings on the wood furniture in many uh, circumstances. So I want to ask the panel, and Anoop, I'm going to start with you. First of all, do you have a HomePod? If you do, do you like it? Uh, if you don't, are you going to get one? And then give me your take on what Apple is doing. Are you as negative as I am? Are you more positive? How do you think all this plays out over the rest of the year?
1: Right. So I think that's a very interesting question. I don't uh, have a HomePod right now. And honestly speaking, I don't have plans to buy the HomePod anytime soon. And the reason uh, I think is I kind of agree with you on uh, where Apple is. uh, And I think the products that they have been coming up with have not been that great. And like you said, uh, I think they are mostly appeasing to the uh, Wall Street, and I think one of the reasons why that is happening is they have oriented themselves more to the iPhone than any anything else. So, as an organization, all the innovation, the best people probably are working on the iPhone product as opposed to uh, other types of uh, products. So, we are seeing that their uh, MacBook line is suffering a little. And uh, similar is the case with the HomePod. So uh, what I found most interesting was that uh, they are marketing it more on the quality of sound rather than saying that it's a smart speaker. So that kind of uh, tells us that even Apple knows that it is not really smart which I found really funny and uh, it's really surprising. So I think they had an enormous lead when it came to Siri. They had the most conversations going there and it is surprising why the platform has not done well.
2: Right. Uh, I I do not have a home pod. My sentiment is very much in line with, uh, with yours and uh, with the noobs in terms of the home pod. I don't think I'm quite as down on Apple uh, uh, more broadly, as you are, Bradley, I know you're calling for the ouster of Tim Cook, uh,
0: at Absolutely. least in the last. Episode. But that hasn't happened yet. Oh, okay. Sorry. Keep going.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, I find that um, I find that um, a little bit amusing, but I, I certainly understand where you're coming from with it. But in terms of the HomePod, um, I mean, reviews across the board are, are generally, um, you know, very negative in terms of the intelligence of the speaker. Um, the sound quality, apparently i haven't heard it myself uh is really robust for for the size of the speaker and um you know that's a really important caveat because uh as a as a full fledged you know kind of home theater system, it certainly does not suffice but for a for a contained speaker. Uh, it sounds like the technology, the sound technology is, is really, um, quite remarkable. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. It, it's surprising that they, um, they released this product in the condition that it's in even, you know, being as late as it was, because, uh, you can just see in all of these reviews, it's just absolutely riddled with, uh, with just inefficiencies. Um, and, uh, and and places where it's falling short uh, as compared to, you know, its competitors in, in Assistant and, um, and Alexa. So I'm disappointed by it. I'm, I'm very much a part of the Apple ecosystem, but um, you know, to, to be a HomePod user, you've got to be locked into that, to that ecosystem. You, You can't listen to Spotify with it or other audio sources. You can't use it as a Bluetooth speaker. There's so many features that are absent from this device that'll, Probably keep me away from it, um, maybe permanently. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. You know how quickly and um, to what extent they roll out these other features.
0: Somebody had done some analysis right when the HomePod was starting to come out of you know things that you know comparing Siri to Alexa to Google Assistant, and one of the few things that Siri does better than alexa and google home and i just think this is pretty funny i haven't seen formal articles written about this i thought about writing one myself is that if you ask siri for stock information it will give you in general more updated and more thorough stock information than alexa or google assistant and it just really ties into the narrative that um (laughs) <laughs> that wall street you know apple is just so concerned about the financial optics of the company because that's one of the very few things in fact the person who posted that and they couldn't even name anything else and the funny thing about apple is that you ask people who are apple enthusiasts i'm part of the ecosystem as well i've still got my trusty uh, six plus phone which i'm desperately hanging on to because of the headphone jack and i bought the latest macbook pro you know so i'm part of the ecosystem too but Uh, when I get in these conversations with folks, uh, just randomly, I will ask them, so what is it that Apple does better right now than anybody else? Uh, you know, people have trouble answering that question. So anyway, yes. And then I thought it was interesting that Walt Mossberg just came out yesterday on Twitter and, and, um, talked about how Siri is the greatest product failure of Apple of all time. And he's not a hater. In fact, he's a fanboy in many ways. His entire career was built on Apple uh, decades ago. So, you know, we're, we sit in an interesting place. And and, and this, feed, this, you know, this commentary has been great. William, I, I will ask you. So, you know, you've got Alexa.bio that you put together as an Alexa resource. And you've done that. You've made that investment of time because you know that Amazon – is aggressively promoting Alexa. They're doing all the right things. They're making all the right moves. The, the the user base is growing. Do you ever foresee a time where you might put such a resource together for the HomePod or for a Siri?
2: Um, not not for Siri, probably. I you know I'm I'm in your boat where um, I'm I'm just not very high on it, and I, I'm not very optimistic about Siri. What makes this even more discouraging? is, you know, h- how much of a lead that they could have had. We, when you look at when Siri was first introduced in 2011, you know, there wasn't even a whiff of Google Assistant or uh, or Alexa at the time. Um, and, and they just totally um, lost that opportunity. And uh, it, it's quite stunning how far behind they've fallen. Um, but, you know... Google Assistant has its advantages over Alexa. I, I'm certainly not um, all in on Alexa. I I, I see them as uh, complementing each other in a really robust way, uh, particularly as they make their ways into so many um, different hardware devices together. Where you know, just depending on the wake word that you use, you can um, choose which assistant to, to tap into. So, um, we're, we're definitely focused on Alexa at this point. Um, we still favor Alexa, um, mostly because of that lead that it had for a while and it's, it's broader integration, um, among a few other benefits, but, um, to answer your question, probably not for Siri, uh, but likely, um, for Google assistant, um, at some point, I also wanted to mention, I loved, um, I just kind of drew a parallel uh, between what Anoop said and and what you just said, Bradley, as well. Where you know Apple is is kind of doubling down um, on on the iPhone um, and and serving um, and serving Wall Street, uh, whereas you know uh, Amazon just recently announced that they're doubling down on Alexa. So you know while uh, Apple's focused elsewhere. Amazon's really going all in on Alexa, so it's interesting to see kind of how they're they're allocating these different resources that they have towards their virtual assistants, and it's obviously um, very much reflected in the in the quality of the product.
1: Apple, I think, needs to think of this more as an interface rather than just a product. So, just marketing it as a speaker or looking at it as a hardware product is kind of limiting so they will have to quickly figure out a way to make Siri smarter uh, so that it can become an interface to the larger apple ecosystem so i think that is the difference between uh, kind of the way amazon looks at alexa is like an interface to the larger ecosystem of amazon so you can probably use uh, amazon uh, audio you can uh, order a lot of things uh, from alexa right so i think that is the shift that needs to happen and until that happens, uh, I think uh, HomePod is uh, going to continue to struggle. And one other,
2: you know, point in line yeah. with that is that Siri within the HomePod is even less intelligent than Siri is within the iPhone. I mean, the, speaking to to Siri um, through your iPhone opens up uh, a handful of features that aren't even available on the HomePod. So I think um, just to complement Anoop's point, they at least need to match the intelligence among these devices
0: yeah nothing says rushed product to market than disabling stuff (laughs) because you're worried about how it's going to work you know what i mean um (laughs) and and uh which is just ridiculous because you know as we can quickly forget they announced the product back in june It's not like they announced it in October and then missed the December deadline, you know, that they set for themselves. They announced it in June and then they missed the December deadline that they set for themselves. Um, And then here we get the product in February and they're like, Oh yeah, well we disabled a bunch of stuff and, yeah we're not going to tell you about how it interacts with service, surf different surfaces because we honestly don't know we didn't even test it oh and also uh airplay 2 um you're not going to see that for a while even though we told you that was coming um so yeah it's um <laughs> uh you know it is what it is we'll see uh we'll see how that plays out this ties very well into our second story which is our voicebot.ai story of the week voicebot.ai very uh good business and technology website oriented around voice uh, check it out over the next five years google will overtake amazon in smart speaker market share now it's a great article it's based on an analyst report uh, all that information is there it's actually quite kind to the to apple and the home pod it shows their numbers uh, kind of aggressively growing but I think that the story here is, you know, Google overtaking Amazon, hypothesizing that that will happen, and we've seen a little bit of that because on the heels of CES, you know, Google was advertising uh, extremely aggressively, and they succeeded, according to many reports, in taking some market share away. So, Anoop, I want to start with you on this. Do you believe this report in general? And do you specifically believe the idea that Google can overtake Amazon in what we'll call smart speaker market share, which really just, I take that to mean just sort of voice assistant market share as the smart speakers sort of blend into other hardware. What's what's your take?
1: Uh, Right. I think I tend to agree uh, with an article that has come out. And I think the keyword there is global. Right. Uh, So uh, globally, I think uh, Google definitely has a chance to overtake Alexa, because if you look at outside the U.S., uh, the Amazon ecosystem is not as well developed as it is uh, in the United States. So there, I think uh, many people rely on Android. uh, They rely on Google. So I think uh, outside the U.S., I see Google taking the lead. But uh, in the U.S., I think it would, I mean, I would still uh, place my bets on Alexa because uh, if you look at every household, it is just well uh, connected to the Amazon ecosystem. So you can actually get most out of that ecosystem if you have an Alexa. So I think uh, in the U.S. markets, Alexa will continue to dominate, but outside uh, Google definitely has a chance. And one advantage that Google, I think, has here is essentially their machine learning and speech recognition uh, tech. So I think uh, the report talked about how uh, Google Assistant was able to get almost 80% of the queries right, but Alexa was uh, getting only around 64% and HomePod was in the 50s. So, I think that is where they have an advantage. And globally, I think I see Google Assistant uh, making a larger impact than the U.S. market.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree that the uh, the global component is a is an extremely important consider, important consideration here. Uh, the article actually mentions another study that's a little bit less favorable towards. Google Assistant, and that study was U.S. specific. So um, that that really is an important factor. Um, I I think that Google Assistant is absolutely capable of overtaking Alexa in terms of market share. I really, there's so many different considerations involved that I think that, um, you know, it's all just speculation at this point. And um, I I think any sort of prediction um, is not going to be entirely reliable. But, uh, you know, these are two of the most powerful companies on the planet who are um, <clears throat> basically betting their futures on these, on these technologies and these products. So it's just fascinating to observe. One other really important consideration um, that, that I consider often is that, you know, Alexa is, still doesn't have a uh, convenient presence in, um, in, in smartphones. Um, and obviously, that's an advantage that that Google has. So, um, it'll be really interesting to see how Amazon approaches that, uh, despite, you know, being totally open to, to third-party device manufacturers and getting Alexa into products, you know, spanning bathroom, uh, toilets and, and, uh, and mirrors to, to automobiles and, um, all sorts of headphones. Um, they still, you know, haven't found a way to make, Alexa totally accessible in a convenient way in smartphones. Um, so I think that'll be a pretty critical factor in uh, in the success of uh, Alexa and the ability of Amazon to, to hold on to its market share. One other point is that um, this study or this prediction was uh, kind of sales specific. So in, in 2021 um, or 2022, while Google Home it is predicted to have a uh, greater market share. That's in terms of sales, but because of Alexa's head start, the total user base. Uh, this article predicts to be um, still uh, still larger among Alexa
0: users. That's great analysis for from both of y'all. Um, a couple of things that stood out to me. I, I um, you gotta love these analyst reports where you know they sit there and tell you what's going to happen five years from now and. Uh, that's a fun game to play because it's uh, it's a win-win, you know, sort of prognosticating uh, five years from now because uh, either way, you come out ahead. If you were completely wrong, everybody's long since forgotten. Uh, if you were right, then, uh, you know, you've got the article framed on your wall and you're uh, bashing everybody over the head with how great you were. So, you know, it, it's uh, these things always fascinate me. One, one thing is uh, toward the end of the article, it talks about how, the home pod price will drop over the next five years to where you'll be paying 149 for a home pod in 2022. You know, I'm like, no, I'll be paying $4 for a home pod in 2022 on the clearance rack. Um, <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, I, 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 anyway, I, I digress. The, the the uh, the one thing I want to point out about this, uh, other than that little aside about, because I've got many friends who do this sort of analyst reporting, so I like to make fun of them. Uh, but uh, you know, this this stuff just generates a conversation, and that's the real value, and it, it it gets people thinking in different ways about the future, and and that's what we're talking about now. One question I have for both of y'all um, on this before we move on, that really the the thing that truly did stick out to me in a, in a more relevant way is. If you look at the pie charts um, that voicebot.ai has on the page, for, there's one for 2018 and then there's one for 2022. The thing that it, it's hard to sit there and agree or disagree, you know, I definitely think the, the percentages among the three major players will change, but the others is the one that bothers me. From 2018, others goes from 4%, and then it actually decreases percentage wise to 3% five years from now. And I don't know if I believe that. I think that um, I really like what Mycroft.ai is doing with their smart speaker. I think it's a blueprint for stuff to come. And this is the question that I want to pose to both of you, and William, I'll start with you, and then Anoop, I'll go to you. Do you see an opportunity Um, In the context of this report or just in your general experience, the opportunity over the next year, two years, three years, five years for somebody else, and I don't mean Facebook, I mean some smaller to mid-tier company to get involved with a smart speaker in a way that would take more market share away from Apple, Amazon, Google than what's represented in this report. William, I'll start with you.
2: Yeah, Bradley. I made the same observation. I was pretty taken aback by how small that others percentage was, um, mostly because of the other big players. Not necessarily for the opportunity of of the little guys. I I'm not sure that that it would be within the capacity of a small startup to legitimately um, carve into the market share of these you know these other enormous. Players, I think they are pursuing these products and these technologies so aggressively. They are allocating such a significant portion of their vast resources towards um, making them as ubiquitous as possible that it just it, it would not be within the capacity of a small startup. I think if there's going to be a meaningful um, if there's going to be meaningful growth in that other's category. Over the next five years, I do think it will be someone like Facebook, who I know we're going to talk about in a second, or um, or one of the other ones who, who who are already kind of in the game, um, like Microsoft and Samsung. But um, I, I certainly, you know, would be behind uh, the, the disruptive startup that that tries uh, that gives. That gives
1: it a shot. Right. I think I agree uh, with what William just said. Uh, one factor that might affect all of this is how quickly uh, both of the voice assistants become a platform. Uh, so how quickly both of them, you know, both of these large companies decide to make it a platform so that other people can build on top of it. So if uh, both of, I mean, Google and Amazon kind of limit their partnership or the platform nature of uh, the voice assistants, then it, Makes it harder for uh, any of the smaller companies or even a, a larger. Uh, hardware manufacturers to build on top of them so if it becomes a platform uh, that anybody can access i think the number will change we'll see a lot of smaller companies uh, come up or a lot of uh, uh, other hardware manufacturers come in as well but until that i think so that really depends so that will be a big strategic call that both of uh, these companies will have to make and it can be different. So uh, if I were to kind of guess, Google has always been the kind of company that is more keen on making all its products uh, as platforms. So if Google opens up the platform earlier than uh, Amazon, then things might get really, really interesting. Right. And that
2: also speaks to another disadvantage of Apple in this, in this kind of battle, I think is that, you know, they, they're notoriously um, closed off where, you know, you're, you're completely locked into their own ecosystem that uh, their lack of openness is going to um, inhibit their ability to make meaningful growth within this market.
0: You're right. I completely agree with everything both of y'all uh, had to say. I, I, the walled garden approach is not going to work for Apple in this market. And one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to change it or it's going to get they're going to change it under Tim Cook or they're going to change it under somebody else because it's got to change. And if they don't change it under Tim Cook, then, you know, they're just going to continue to languish um, until he's gone. And uh, very interestingly, just this last week at Apple shareholder meeting, Tim Cook actually talked at some length about uh, his succession plan. And uh, it's the first time that he's ever done that, according to people that follow what happens at those meetings. And um, it, it will, that will be very interesting to watch and, and to see if Tim Cook learns from the HomePod's sort of failings at the beginning and starts to get stuff on board or whether it's got to be somebody else. But the, the, th- the thing about the other category, to get back to that a second, just in closing, is the way I do I, – I do think we're going to have – Significant players rise up um, and do very innovative things that cause them to carve out some market share in unexpected ways. The argument, I think, for the pie chart staying like it is in the article is that those people are inevitably going to get acquired almost right away. <laughs> because uh you know amazon and google and apple can't allow some new party to rise up and take market share away they can't allow that uncertainty if they truly believe like all of us do that the voice first ecosystem is is the epicenter of technology moving forward so you know as these players rise up and and you know surprise people they'll get acquired and then the bar, the pie chart ends up looking the exact same i think that's the argument uh, in my mind, but uh, but anyhow, yeah, it's just uh, it's a lot of food for thought. I thought it was a great piece uh, that Voicebot AI produced, uh, and I appreciate y'all's commentary on that. We will roll on to story number three, which does involve Facebook. So, whereas I look at Apple with just you know disappointment uh, and lost potential, I think Facebook is in a. I look at Facebook negatively. Uh, for a different reason. I think that they've just got the hardest job to do of almost any business, any business can ever have, and that's reversing their brand uh, identity. Their brand identity is one of, I don't trust you. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and um and so here they are, and this has been my problem with them. They can come out with all this great technology, and this is what this article is about. They're about to launch not one, but two smart speakers, and we've got a date for that, uh, if you believe the reports, it's July. And they look like the Echo Show, and as I asked at the very beginning on this show, actually months ago. And this is my question for y'all now. And uh, William, I will start with you on this. Who is going to buy a Facebook smart speaker? Do you agree with me that... Facebook has got a trust problem. And and I'm not even talking about, I mean, the fake news thing is one thing, but even before that, just sort of their invasive methodology. Uh, Do you think I'm overblowing that? Do you think that Facebook can be a real player or do you agree with me? Let me get your take on that.
2: Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting to see what Facebook's doing in terms of the voice market. They are obviously taking more of a video centric approach rather than just voice. If the uh, if the speculation is accurate, then obviously these devices, they won't just have screens, but they'll have pretty they'll have screens of a pretty significant size, much larger than um, than the Echo show, closer to a laptop size. And what the analysts, the folks speculating believe is that that's going to mean that this sort of platform is going to be more about, you know, connecting with people, video chatting. They use the example of, you know, grandchildren connecting with their grandparents, which obviously Amazon has used in its marketing as well. So, you know, as we consider who might purchase these products, it might be, you know, the folks who are more oriented towards um, using these, these different technologies for connectivity with other people. Uh, they're going there's this is going to be. Um, a whole lot more social than it will be, I think, about, um, you know, connecting smart homes, smart home devices, and uh, maybe even listening to music and, and those other sorts of features that are so popular uh, on Google Assistant and on Alexa. However, with that said, um, another part of this report was that Facebook's in the process of arranging licensing agreements with entertainment companies like Sony for, for music rights and uh, and for video rights as well. So it could also be kind of an entertainment hub as well, which would more directly compete with Amazon and Google. But um, I do think this this will be geared more towards the social crowd and those seeking to use these technologies
1: to connect with other people. I think what William said there was pretty interesting. Uh- that uh, Facebook is kind of taking a video-centric approach. That's why the displays in uh, their devices are rumored to be twice as large as uh, uh, those found elsewhere. So that is uh, a very interesting way. So it might be more that uh, Facebook is looking to promote uh, Facebook videos uh, through this interface because I think they have been pushing uh, the Facebook videos platform quite a lot. They maybe see it as an alternative to YouTube in some shape or form. So uh, I think that might be uh, a way uh, for Facebook, uh, releasing those devices might be a way for them to uh, increase the consumption of Facebook videos. That said, uh, I think the larger problem here is uh, the feeling of trust, right? Uh, do you trust Facebook uh, as a company, which I think not a lot of people do, because there was this controversy of Facebook, uh, you know, listening uh, t- uh, through the microphone and based on the conversation showing you ads, right, uh, in your newsfeed on Facebook. Uh, and it's scary. It has happened to me a couple of times where I was thinking about a trip to Hawaii. And after like three days, I started getting these ads about uh, hotel tickets and airline tickets to Hawaii. And it was really creepy. So I think that is, uh, that, uh, image of trust is something that's going to be uh, very important and rumors say that they are going to put a camera uh, in these devices as well so as if uh, that was when people weren't concerned with their privacy before putting a camera and uh, recording it full-time is going to be a scary thing so uh, it remains to be seen i think the biggest uh, blocker there will be uh, the trust and privacy issues that facebook has in general So that I'm sure will reflect in these uh, devices. Uh, And second, I think the demographic uh, that uh, they might be targeting uh, might be uh, not the early adopters, but more of the mainstream market where Facebook is now seeing a lot of growth. So that is where uh, slightly on the older side of the population, uh, about 45, 50, maybe that is where they are trying to uh, position this so that uh, they were uh, people in that demographic want to chat with their families. Most of the kids are now uh, moved away for school. And just being uh, staying in touch might be a good idea.
0: No, I completely agree. I think their brand identity is almost defined by distrust, um, and it's it's so strange. Um, uh, it's it it's hard to even think of what a, a good analogy to them would be. But uh, I thought you made a, a great point there, Anoop, as well about how Facebook dominates with older folks, and conversely. You know, millennials and whatever the generations are called, younger than that, you know, want nothing to do with it uh, at all. They don't hang out there much in the same way that they wouldn't hang out in the lobby of a nursing home. And I think that's one of the big things that has to be reconciled. And it's tough to tell how it'll play out. There's a market. I, uh, it's not, you know, really up for discussion. I think at this point, there's definitely a market for if Facebook can leverage its. Um, dominance with older demographics and convert that into voice first applications and usage, then, hey, there, there's a game plan and there's a, there's a pathway to regaining some trust and demonstrating some trust. But what's interesting is that, as both of you all well know, as and listeners of this well know, people involved in this area of technology well know, one of the major thematic Undercurrents of voice technology is that we have this young generation of children who are growing up, uh, not just in the U.S. but increasingly in other markets as well, with the expectation of being able to interact with a computer with their voice first, and uh, you know other uh, input methods second. And you know, my son, you know, my wife and I have a six-year-old son. Uh, he's very comfortable asking Alexa for information and he doesn't own a computer uh, uh, what you what most people consider a computer a laptop or anything like that he just all he knows is a, as a computer is the echo show that sits in our house that's gonna be interesting to watch because Facebook is repulsive to younger younger generations and yet that's such a defining group of this new voice first era. So I don't know how that plays out. I really don't even know what it means. I just find it, it's incongruous. And it's going to be interesting to see how that reconciles itself.
2: Yeah. And Bradley, we also spoke earlier about the, the global factor versus the United States. And obviously, Facebook has just expansive reach globally. So um, that that may contribute to its ability to have a meaningful impact in this market.
1: So, uh, interesting. I mean, uh, one good thing about this is uh, for the voice space and people there, the voice market will expand even more with Facebook coming in. So I think that is a good uh, news for the entire sector. But for Facebook, how well the
0: strategy will plan out remains to be seen. Completely agree. Both of you are really good points. Um, we will leave that there and move on to story number four. This very mysterious invitation-only product that uh, came out a few months, a few months ago, uh, or more than a few months ago, earlier in 2017, which is a combination of a camera and a microphone, and it's designed to help people with their fashion. It what it does is it looks at you and helps you helps make fashion recommendations, outfit recommendations, clothing recommendations. Uh, based on the data of uh, looking at you in real time and then uh, interacting with you via voice. This product has just shown up again at uh, New York Fashion Week this week, um, apparently playing a significant role, according to this article, in helping some of these um, people in this industry come up with their clothing lines and their catalogs for the fall and their fall lineups and all the stuff that's part of this industry. Super interesting uh, to see this, and it's just sort of uh, a little off the beaten path of the normal, uh, you know, some of the normal stories that we're in the habit of talking about. Anoop, I want to start with you on this article. I just want to ask you how this article struck you, what your initial thoughts were. Is this just an indication, like we all believe, that voice technology, voice-first technology is just going to permeate every aspect of our lives? What What's your take?
1: Uh, This is one of the uh, most interesting applications of uh, Alexa that I have seen. Uh, And uh, I have uh, many friends who work in the fashion domain who are extremely bullish on uh, uh, Alexa's uh, uh, look. And uh, my initial thoughts were, I think it's a big, big problem. The opportunity space is huge. A big problem in fashion has always been creating clothes that fit you correctly. And it really depends on your body type, your height and a bunch of other factors. And what I think Amazon is trying to do here is combine the developments uh, in uh, vision or image recognition, artificial intelligence and uh, the developments in voice. So the way I see this is as the, uh, uh, tech improves, uh, this uh, camera will get much better at understanding your body type based on which it can start recommending clothes that fit you well. And that, again, will help uh, take out the friction from the purchases. Right? So uh, we know that uh, Amazon is going really big on apparates. And that is a big uh, segment for them, upcoming segment for them. So I'm really uh, excited. There is a huge uh, opportunity here. And uh, what Amazon is doing is they're just planning it in a a really proper way. And that's why the EcoLook is available only through invitation. So what they are trying to do is they're trying to solve this apparel purchase uh, kind of user flow, right? How do you reduce friction in uh, getting Apple recommendations, getting the right fit or clothes that fit you correctly?
2: Yeah, I found this really interesting as well, particularly in the context of another recent announcement about the Echo Look where Amazon has partnered with GQ and Vogue to Make uh, recommendations within the um, within the app that pairs with the Echo Look. Uh, the app um, is very much a part of the Echo Look experience, and th- this kind of led me to consider that uh, these sort of um, affiliate relationships, where brands like GQ and Vogue and maybe even some of these fashion designers can have a presence within these experiences, and when they make recommendations that lead to purchases, they can they can take a cut. Of those profits, um, and I know that um, there's there have been a lot of questions around how you know Amazon and Google and these other countries are gonna are gonna monetize these voice first platforms and introduce advertising in them. And uh, I- I'm thinking that these affiliate relationships could be a really meaningful complement to any sort of advertising that they may integrate. Um, so by uh, kind of bolstering the presence of the Echo look in the fashion community, this might be a move to uh, to open the door to to more partnerships like the ones that um, that Amazon recently uh, established with GQ and Vogue. So I, that's kind of where my head is in, in, in this context. And I'm really interested to see uh, if these uh, affiliate recommendations take on more of a presence in the experience of, uh, of Echo Look, but also just the, these broader um, voice platforms.
0: No, that's great commentary all the way around. That's really interesting. That's a really interesting thought on the affiliate marketing side of it, because I really hadn't thought that all the way through. You're right. That's, that's definitely going to be part of the equation. I want to ask both of y'all the question that sort of came to my mind and it, it especially came to my mind in terms of the HomePod discussion from earlier um, and just what a half-baked product that is. Why has Amazon not released this yet? And Anoop, you sort of spoke to this uh, a minute ago, but I want to dig deeper. Mm-hmm. Tell me why, uh, and I'll start with you, Anoop, on this. Why do you think that Amazon not opened this product up to purchasers yet, they just got you know, as uh, William mentioned, you know, GQ and Vogue are on board. They just had this thing at New York Fashion Week. Clearly, it works well. It's part of uh, you know the how a lot of these folks are uh, conducting themselves and their business operations for some of you know for the fashion domain, as you said. What are they waiting on?
1: I think what they're waiting on is uh, the affiliate partnerships or uh, partnerships with other apparel manufacturers. So the way I kind of look at it is uh, an easy way to reduce friction in the purchases, as well as make the uh, data on your body type available to all the apparel manufacturers.
2: Yeah, I, I really agree with what Anoop said. I think it's about collecting data, you know, experimenting with the product as it is now to to, uh, to apply um, those findings to uh, to a much more um, sophisticated product that does a whole lot more than just make a single recommendation based on on two outfits. Um, I think you know obviously this is going to be uh, very e-commerce oriented where it's uh, it's doing everything it can to, to drive um, sales on Amazon. So I think preliminarily, Um, it's just it's collecting data it's it's seeing how these uh, trial users are um, are using the product and uh, and also like Anoop said um, forming partnerships with other brands toward uh, a, a much much bigger play
0: at the end of the day it's all an exciting place to be absolutely gentlemen thank you very very much for your time today this was a pleasure
2: Thank you I so much, you. Bradley. And Anoop. it was a great
0: conversation. I appreciate it. to join you. Yeah, it was great chatting with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. For This Week in Voice, episode four of season two, thank you for listening. And until next time.